In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of, and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, and the child, and sent her away, and she departed, and wandered in the wilderness of Bathsheba. We might open with a word of prayer, and uh, if Troy, if you could open with a word of prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here tonight. Uh, thank you for each one that's another time here. We pray that it's Amen. So I want to recap over what we um, talked about last time in the sermon. And what we, where we went to is Galatians chapter 4. And from here we saw that Paul used the, pre- the story in Galatians as an allegory. He used it as a, a story to prove a point or, to, or for a deeper spiritual meaning. And we learnt that we aren't aren't meant to do this with all scripture, but Paul was inspired by, the, by God to, to do this. And the first part of the sermon, we looked at the story and we, we went over Abraham's life and the different ages he was when different things were happening. So there was one where the first one was when he was 75 and he, he, he was called of God to come out of um, where he was and go to Canaan. At age 85, he promised a son, or oh, sorry, at 75, he also promised a son, but at age 85, the promised son had not arrived. Um, and that's where Abraham and Sarah took it into their own hands and um, suggested that they have a son with Hagar. At age 86, Hagar was pregnant and the trouble set in straight away. At age 99, um, after Ishmael was born, God reaffirms to Abraham and Sarah that they will have a son. At age 100, Isaac was born, and we saw that there was straight away there was tension, there was problems. At age 103, when Isaac was weaned, Sarah demanded Ishmael must go, and that Ishmael was mocking Isaac. And this is a quick recap from last time, so forgive me if I'm skipping through fairly quickly. So from that story, Paul draws a spiritual application. He, and he, first, we looked at last time, Ishmael versus Isaac, or the flesh versus the spirit. And we saw that Ishmael was born a slave after the flesh, but Isaac was born free by God's power. And first of all, we, we drew comparisons between the two. We saw that Ishmael was born a slave, that was uncontrollable, whereas Isaac was born free by God's power. And we looked at um, how Ishmael brought sadness and separation, but Isaac brought joy and laughter. 
And he brought sadness by the mocking and by the wildness of his nature. He mocked Isaac, it says. Well, Ishmael was mocking. We looked at the happiness that Isaac was bringing into the family. We saw how his name means laughter and how Sarah laughed. When, first, when she was told about it, told about the promised son, but also before, just before he was born and when he was born. We also looked at how Isaac was growing. He was weaned. He was becoming a man. He was um, bringing joy into the lives of his parents. And we looked at those comparisons and we, we drew the comparisons of the flesh and the spirit acting like these two. And that's a quick recap of what we did last time. And that's only half the allegory. So the allegory is in Galatians chapter 4. I'll just get to the right spot here. Galatians chapter 4 verses 22 um, down to verse 30. And I'm not going to read it again because we'll be reading parts of that throughout the night. But that's where we'll be concentrating a little bit tonight and we'll be skipping back to Genesis as well and taking verses from there. So we looked at Ishmael and Isaac and tonight I want to look at um, Hagar versus Sarah. And those two represent the law versus grace. And this is the allegory that Paul brought out when he was talking to the Galatians. So first of all, we see how Hagar was a bondwoman, just like the law is. But Sarah was free, like grace. Hagar... Hagar was Abraham's second wife and this was not God's plan. He never intended this to happen. It wasn't his plan. Whereas Sarah was the first wife, which was God's plan. Hagar, like the law, was not God's final plan. And in Galatians 3.19 we read, Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator. So we can see just like Hagar, um, uh, Sarah and Abraham sinned and tried to have a son through Hagar, which wasn't the plan of God, but it was added from sin. So is the, the law. It was added because of our transgressions. It was added because Israel was sinning when they were in the wilderness. And the law had to be brought in. It wasn't God's first plan. It wasn't his final plan. The law was added because of their sin. It was never intended to be permanent, but but temporary until the Lord Jesus came and made a way of salvation that was permanent. But we look at the, the comparison to that, which is Sarah. And just like grace, it was what God started with and will finish with. In Genesis 3.21 it says, and we're going right back, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. We can see right back at the start, God was starting with grace. This is where Adam and Eve had just sinned, the fall, that, um, and it would have been very hard and any one of us wouldn't have had grace in that circumstance, but God started with grace. He covered them up just as he covers our sin he started with grace then we we see that he started with grace with man when man sinned but 
and uh, not with law. In Genesis 3.15 it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We can see from this verse that God also promised to finish with grace, giving his only son on the cross where Satan was to be defeated and the serpent's head would be crushed. The covenant with Abraham started with grace in um, Genesis 15, but Hagar came in, just like the law was added, and it was because of sin. Galatians 3, 24 to 25 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster, to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith that Sorry, but after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. That's a great verse. The law was never intended to be permanent. It was only brought in to highlight something. And we'll cover this in the the next point. So secondly, we see Hagar was a slave, which is mentioned five times in Galatians 4, in the the two verses, verses 22 and 23. But Sarah was a free woman. And we can draw that comparison. The law keeps us a slave if we stay under it. It is only meant to be a mirror or a schoolmaster which highlights or exposes our sin as we read, as we read earlier, just before in um, Galatians 3, 23 to 25. Hagar was never meant to be a mother like the law was never meant to save us. The law was meant to be a way of God exposing the sin and how far short we fall compared to his standards. This is not this is no way of there's no way, sorry, of achieving perfection by the law. But in grace, God sees us through his son as perfect. So in contrast to Hagar, we see who was a bondwoman, just like the law, it keeps us um, a slave but in contrast we see Sarah who was a free woman in Galatians 4.26 it says but Jerusalem which is above is free which is the mother of us all and that's that's a great promise isn't it that if we're saved and we believe that Lord Jesus Christ died and that there's nothing else we can do but it's what God has done it frees us God's grace has freed us and we are part of the new Jerusalem, not the old Jerusalem, which is in bonds. Galatians 3, 26 to 29 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye beat Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heir according to the prom- heirs according to the promise. So what a blessing, pro- blessed promise that we are made free through faith in Christ Jesus. No longer a slave to the law. And we, we can see where, where Paul was really trying to get the Galatians to, to see. Stop going after the law. Stop going back to the law. You're free from that. Why are you going back? He's trying to point out the blessings that, have, that they have been given now that Christ has died for them. 
Number three, we see that Hagar was not meant to bear children where Sarah was promised by God to bear Isaac. There is many different things that the law cannot give that grace can. And I'm going to cover a few different things quickly that the law cannot give. The first one is the law cannot give life. Galatians 3.21 says, Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. So we can see here that, pardon me, the law cannot give life. Only God's grace can do this. And we, see, we know that when we, we try to keep the law ourselves, and we, if we try to live by the law, our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. It's not worth anything. It doesn't give life. Whereas the righteousness that God sees us through, his, his, his son dying on the cross, is perfect righteousness. And it does give life. It gives freedom. Another thing the law cannot give is righteousness in Galatians 2.21. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So the law can not give righteousness. Another thing the law cannot give is the gift of the Spirit. Galatians 3 verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? And we know that it is by the hearing of faith that we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. Another thing that the law cannot bring is a spiritual inheritance. Galatians 3.18 For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So no amount of religion or law can give the sinner life. Only the Lord Jesus Christ through the grace can do that. Sarah was promised by God to bear Isaac. So we have that comparison again. Hagar was never meant to bear children. It was not God's plan. It was not promised. Whereas Sarah was promised by God to bear Isaac. In Genesis, back in Genesis chapter 17, verse 19, we see God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. Grace is what saves us, not the law or works. Unlike the law, which depends on an individual keeping the law perfectly to be saved, which isn't possible, grace is dependent on what the Lord has done for us and his righteousness. You can think about that popular verse, hopefully memory verse for in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So another comparison, number four. Pardon me. Hagar gave birth to a slave, and he was a wild man, it says. Whereas Sarah gave birth to a promised son who was free. Genesis 16.12 describes Ishmael's character. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Um, we covered this in the last message where we were c- comparing the flesh with the spirit and where the flesh is out of control. It cannot be tri- controlled by human efforts. 
And we, we um, talked about how the world is trying to control all the sin that's happening in the world by just adding their laws. And they add more laws and policies. And I see it a lot in the workplace where, you know, someone will do a wrong thing. One out of many people will do wrong things. So what do they do? Instead of punishing that person, they'll bring one law in or more policies. But it never works. It just frustrates the people who are doing the right thing. And law, in a spiritual sense, the law does the same thing. It cannot control our flesh. In Galatians 5.17 it says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that they cannot do the things that you would. If we choose the law as our way, or we could say our mother for salvation, we will experience bondage. Just like Hagar and Ishmael. Galatians 4 verses 8 to 11 says, How be it then, when you knew, you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labour in vain. We can really see Paul here getting worked up. Why are you doing this? Why are you going back to the law? Why are you going back into bondage? The law brings bondage, but surprisingly, so many today do the same thing. We see the mainstream church, that's what it does. It brings bondage. It brings control. Sinful men bringing in um, things that don't exist. You've got to pay penance. You've got to say prayers. You've got to do all these things to get out of hell or get your ancestors out of um, purgatory. We know that it's all nonsense. It brings bondage. They try in their human efforts to do good so that they might be accepted into heaven, but at a great cost. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage that the law brings. God has provided us with liberty and made us free. And to keep going back to the law is to reject what Jesus has done on the cross for us. So another comparison, number five. Hagar was a cast out, or a cast away. Sarah was kept and looked after. Genesis 21, 9-10 says, And Sarah saw, sorry, pardon me, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. We read this earlier. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. The law and grace cannot dwell together. It is against the plan that God has put in place. Just like faith and works, just like God's gifts and our works, these all have their place in our lives, but they must not be mixed. God did not ask Hagar and Ishmael to visit now and then. You know, you just go a few doors down, you live down there, and you just visit on Christmas and Easter. He didn't say that. There was to be a definite split. There was, there was a definitely split between that family, between Abraham and the family and, and um, Hagar and Ishmael. Grace keeps 
So we can see that it needs to be cast out, the law. Whereas grace keeps and sustains us right through our lives. Just as God's plan looked after Sarah and kept her throughout the rest of her life and through her life. So we have that comparison. One last comparison. Hagar was not to be married again, whereas Sarah stayed faithful to Abraham. Galatians 4 verse 24 to 26 says, Which things are an allegory? But these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and entereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Pardon me. Hagar and Ishmael were sent away, never to return, never to be married or reunited again. The law was not given to the Gentiles, but the Judaizers um, tried to impose it on them. Israel was stuck in bondage to the old Jerusalem, to the law, but the church was enjoying, or should have been enjoying, the liberty of, of grace in the new Jerusalem, just like we can today. They just didn't get it. They would not believe that the law was done away with and it should, be a, and should not be implemented again. Nothing of it should be implemented. It should only be a mirror to us that shows us how sinful we are compared to God. They, the Judaizers, were in bondage to the earthly Jerusalem. Grace, un- unlike the law, is eternal. It doesn't have to be repeated over and over like the law and the sacrifices. They, need, they needed to be done, which needed to be done, sorry, under the law, to keep um, Israel clean. And it was a continual thing. And I, I, I think back to that stage where Israel had to do that, back to before, before the Lord Jesus came and was sacrificed, and how hard that would have been. And I know personally, I wonder if I would have been one of those people in the desert that got swallowed up in the earth. One of those ones that kept falling and struggling, you know, the, the constant sacrifices, the conf- constant effort they had to make, it was, it was um, hard. It would have been hard to live under that law. But what freedom we have now. So that's the two comparisons. So we had Ish- Ishmael versus Isaac and um, Hagar versus um, Sarah. But I want to sort of bring this in a little bit and look back and draw all the things together so we can see that there is a real practical blessing. And we've sort of been bringing those blessings out throughout um, these comparisons. But in verses um, 30 and 31 of verse 4 of Galatians, it says, and this is where um, Paul is bringing the conclusion in and really showing what this allegory is about. He says, Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of this the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We Christians, like Isaac, are the children of, of promise by grace. The covenant of grace, pictured by Sarah, is our spiritual mother. The law and the old nature, or Hagar and Ishmael, want to persecute us and bring us into bondage. And we, I want to look at how, how we might solve this problem. And I've, 
drawn a lot of this from a um, commentary, the Wisby's commentary, and just added little bits here and there. So what we could do to try to solve this problem, and what people do try, is that we could try change them. We could try change Hagar and Ishmael, the law and the old nature. But ultimately, ultimately, we know this will fail, for we cannot change either the law or the old nature. John 3, 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And we might also add that it will always be flesh. God did not try change Ishmael or Hagar, either by force or education. Neither can I or you neither can I or you change the old nature or the law. So that won't work. We can't change them. Another thing that people may try is that we try to compromise with them. This didn't work in Abraham's home and neither will it work in our lives. The Galatians were trying to make this compromise work, but it was only leading them gradually into bondage. False teachers today tell us, don't abandon Christ, simply move into a, Christian, a deeper Christian life by practising the law along with faith. They're trying to mix those two. And in, that, in doing that, they're saying, invite Hagar and Ishmael back home again. But this is the path back into slavery. As we read in Galatians 4.9 earlier on, How turn ye again to the weak and beagly elements? Whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? That question asked by Paul. Why? Why are you doing this? So we, we could try these two things to solve the problem or we could try cast them out. This is what we are supposed to do. First, Paul applied this to the nation of Israel in Galatians 4, 25 to 27, but then he applied it to the individual Christian. The nation of Israel had been bondage under the law, but this was, as we read, um, saying earlier, a temporary thing, preparing them for the coming of Christ. Now that Christ had come, the law had to go. Jesus Christ, like Isaac, was a child of promise born by the miraculous power of God. Once he had come and died for the people, the law had to go. Paul quoted Isaiah 51 verse um, sorry, Isaiah 54 verse 1, which says, Sing, O barren, thou dost didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cried aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife saith the Lord. Applying his words to Sarah, or these words to Sarah, who was barren before the birth of Isaac, but also applying it to the church. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 27. So let's look at that contrast again. I know that we have, but repetition is the best way to learn, so we'll go over it again. So Sarah had been barren, and she tried to become fruitful by having Abraham marry Hagar. We know that this failed and brought only trouble. The law cannot give life or fruitfulness. Legalism is barren. For the early church to go back into bondage would mean barrenness and disobedience to the word of God. Because it held fast to to grace, or some of the early church held fast to grace, the church spread across the world in fruitfulness. And we can see that through church history, there's still a majority following that law, trying to keep to that law, and not only the original law, but adding things to it. All these extra bits that 
should never be added as well. But individual <coughs> churches and Christians can make the same mistake the Galatians were making. They can fail to cast out Hagar and Ishmael. Legalism is still one of the major problems among churches today and Christians as well, individuals. We must keep in mind that legalism does not mean the setting of spiritual standards. And that's where some people may accuse us of. Oh, you're legalistic. You have these rules and everyone has to obey them and as soon as they go out of that, that's it, you whack them with a stick. Well, that's not the case. That's not the case of all, at all. It's not the setting of spiritual standards. It means worshipping these standards and thinking that we are more spiritual because we obey them. That's what legalism is. It also means judging other believers on the basis of these standards. A person can refrain from smoking or drinking or gambling, for example, and still, still not be spiritual. Um, we can use the Pharisees as an example. The Pharisees had very high standards, yet they crucified Jesus. The old nature loves legalism because it gives the old nature a chance to look good. And that's all it does. It, be, it brings out the pride in all of us. The old nature loves legalism. <clears throat> It costs very little for Ishmael not to do certain bad things or to do certain religious deeds, just so long as he can remain Ishmael. For 17 years, Ishmael caused trouble in the home and then Isaac came along and it came to a head. There was great conflict. Legalism caters to Ishmael. The, the Christian who claims to be spiritual because of what he does or is fooling himself. It takes more than rules to make a positive, fruitful spiritual life. No doubt the Judaizers were spiritual looking people and we've talked about them and it's been mentioned many a times how they dress and how they do these certain rituals constantly and it would be such a tiresome thing. <clears throat> Pardon me. They carried credence from religious authorities. They had high standards. They were careful in what they ate and drank. They were effective in making converts and, and liking to advertise their accomplishments. They didn't try to hide their accomplishments. They had rules for everything and every area of life, making, easy, making it easier for their followers to know who was spiritual and who was not. But the Judaizers were leading the people further into bondage and defeat, not liberty and victory. And the people did not know the difference at the time. They were blind to what was happening. In the closing chapters of this letter, Paul, who pointed out the greatest tragedy of legalism, it gives, which is it gives opportunity for the flesh to work. The old nature cannot be controlled by law, just like the, fle uh, <clears throat> the flesh can't be controlled by law. And eventually it will break out. And when it does, it causes mayhem. And this sort of explains to us why legalistic religious groups often have fights and, and divisions within the groups. It just doesn't work. In Galatians 5.15 it says, You fight and devour one another. Galatians 5.19, part of that verse says, And often are you plagued with defiling sins of the flesh. While every church has its share of problems and our church definitely has its problems, as long as there's people in the church, there will be problems. That's what they say. If you find the perfect church, don't join it because then it won't be the perfect church. 
But we can see that, um, <clears throat> pardon me, I've lost my spot here. Um, every church has its problems. Especially in an atmosphere of legalism, it, it, it almost festers it and grows, though, exacerbates those problems. Instead of dealing with things in love and helping one another, it's constant pointing of fingers and accusations. Thank God the Christian is set free from the curse of the law and the control of it. Just like Paul said, we need to cast out the bondwoman and her son. It may be painful for us and and as it was for Abraham to send Ishmael away. It was still his son and it was very painful for him to do that. But to attempt, attempt to mix law and grace is, is to attempt the impossible. It makes for a frustrated, barren Christian life. But to live in grace through faith gives one freedom and a fulfilling Christian life. So we need to be aware. Is Ishmael and Hagar creeping into our lives? Is the law and the flesh controlling what we do? It's something we need to all be aware of. 